Hey, Steelers fans, Odyssey is doing something special for this year's NFL Draft. Brian Baldinger and Jason Lockenfor are hosting the 2023 Odyssey Draft Show. Join them on the first night of the draft as they talk with local experts from Odyssey podcasts across the country. We'll be joining them to give instant reaction analysis after the Steelers pick. Leading up to the draft, check out Baldy's podcast, In the Huddle, for his expert prospect breakdowns. The draft show starts Thursday, April 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Listen on the free Odyssey app and watch on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filippone. And welcome back to another edition of First and Pod. Uh, review, rate, tell your friends, download it, get involved here. This has been a three-week journey here of mock drafts. The first edition was myself and my usual co-host, Danny Parkins. And Danny, I just have to get this off my chest to start. Danny ripped me to shreds. We've been alternating picks for taking Will Anderson second and Bijan Robinson, eighth to Atlanta. Now, everyone in the last two weeks in the football world finally agrees with me. So, Danny, if you're listening, F you. I was right all along. Your ridicule was completely unsubstantiated and uh, was worthy of none of our time. So, that's number one. Then, Baldy did last week, lent some credibility to this thing. And now, for our final edition, we have Damon Amendolara, who, if he's not in the WAER Hall of Fame yet at Syracuse University, then we need to talk to the committee and the panel that picks those things. Are you in, DA? No, I am You're not. not. I'm going to put you on the panel now. I mean, we're putting Andrew Catalan in, who calls Jags Titans every week, and the guy that's the flagship show on CBS Sports Radio can't get in? Good no. Lord, we're putting West Virginia's play-by-play man in. We Look, can't get your mug down there? As Joe Klecko would say, the weight makes it sweeter. So I'm just, you know, I'm kind of like just going to let the generations pass by. And then it's like Harry Carson. You don't I'm, even want to go in now. It's been such a long overdue way. I'm just waiting for the Veterans Committee at this point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we've been going back and forth. What we got left, DA, is picks 21 through 31. So you're now privy to how this draft has unfolded. The Chargers are on the clock at pick 21. And the way that this has broken down, pretty much all the wide receivers are out there except Smith and Jigba. And only a couple of corners have come off the board, Gonzalez and Witherspoon. So I'm going to take for the Chargers, Joey Porter Jr. with this pick. They have Asante Samuel Jr., who had three interceptions to Trevor Lawrence in the first half of the playoff game. So we know they like the bloodlines at corner. Their second corner is a college free agent guy who's an okay player, not a great player. So they brought in Kellen Moore on offense, DA. I think that this will be a defensive pick with the defensive head coach. I think they'd be very excited to see Porter Jr. slip here. Uh, I did not have my Steelers taking him. Part of it was a personal vendetta because his dad tried to fight my co-host last summer. (laughs) And that was a whole uh, ordeal. I love Joey Porter, the football player. Did not love him as a Steelers coach either, but. Joey Porter Jr. to the Chargers, D.A. Uh, He only had one interception in three years at Penn State, which is hard to believe for a guy with his skill set. So what do you think? I like it. I like it. I 
I am also of the opinion that you can never surround your quarterback like Justin Herbert with enough weapons. And so with all those really good wide receivers out there, I'd like to see the Chargers also think that way as well. We've obviously seen what happens when a guy like Jalen Hurts has a new set of weapons or, or toys around him. He can go to a Super Bowl. And I think the Chargers know that, you know, Justin Herbert is, is that type of QB as well. But you can't go wrong on defense for the Chargers getting playmakers because we saw last year what happens when the Chargers have a big lead in the playoffs. You just you can't trust them to hold on to it. So I don't mind it there. I think the Chargers are one of those teams where a good draft solidifies them as one of the best teams of the AFC. There's always that DNA issue that we have with the Chargers. Can they close? Can they finish? Do they have the right head coach? But they have a damn good amount of talent. We saw them in the postseason last year build up a big lead and should have went to the divisional round. So I don't I don't mind that pick. And I think the Chargers with a good draft are smack dab in the middle of some of the best teams in the league. Yeah, I'm not going to love the pick if they do this. I'm just doing what I think the Chargers would do in this spot. And that's take the third best corner uh, in the draft. So now it's Baltimore's pick, DA. You're going to make this pick for them. Uh, the Ravens, they always need wide receivers, but they suck at drafting them. They didn't bring Marcus Peters back, so maybe they want a corner with this pick. So there's a lot of different ways. They're also just a team that seems to love to just take best player available and when a guy slides, jump on him and figure it out. So their GM, uh, DaCosta, gets a lot of credit for the way he drafts. You're now DA in the Baltimore War Room. What are you doing with the 22nd pick? With the number 22 pick of the 2023 NFL Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select... Wide receiver, TCU, Quentin Johnson. I know that the Ravens have had terrible luck drafting wide receivers, but they've just drafted the wrong wide receivers. And there's two guys right now that are available in this mock draft that I think both can be studs. I think Quentin Johnson can be, and I really do think Jordan Addison. You know that up close and personal at Pitt, how dynamic he was. I'm surprised he has slipped so much on so many mock draft boards, but I assume Addison or Johnson, which one slipping? Are you surprised by Addison? Addison's playmaking, his route running, his hands. I loved it all. I loved it all. And, and at Pitt, I mean, we just saw this combination of, of ability, big playability underneath ability that I, I don't think that there's any way that he's not going to be productive at the NFL level, but I realize that you just signed Odell Beckham in Baltimore. And so you're looking for maybe a bigger target, whereas Addison's a little more slender and small. Quentin Johnson gives you the size. He's 6'3". So give me Johnson. But again, I think both Johnson and Addison will be very good, productive wide receivers in the NFL. And you have to give Lamar Jackson as many weapons as possible, as I was just talking about with Justin Herbert. I think right here is a keen spot to go wide receiver because according to this mock draft, there's good talent still available for the Ravens at this pick. Yeah, I think there's going to be, they're still, I think, in a mode where they're trying to do enough to impress and woo Lamar Jackson without actually giving him the $250 million guaranteed. So I know that the Ravens are a organization that has their pillars and principles of things that they subscribe to, their commandments of drafting and team building and stuff. But I think that this has gone off the rails so much that I could see this situation unfolding where they do precisely what you just did. Like, okay, can we do something that, yes, there's a need, obviously, 
But at the same time, it's just another olive branch to the quarterback, which by which by the way, I don't think that'll work. But I could see Baltimore continuing to knock on his door and say, oh, look what else we got you. Look at this new 6-3 toy that we just got you. It was probably, from a productive standpoint, the best wide receiver in college football last year. And so now the, the Odell signing is clearly that olive branch like you talk about. That's what they've done there. But Odell might be only a one-year solution. So drafting a wide receiver here that doesn't have to be maybe the number one target, but they can grow into the number one target if Odell doesn't resign, doesn't come back or whatever in 2024, to me is a smart play. Yeah. So now it's Minnesota's pick. And they were so god-awful on defense last year that even though I think there's the temptation to take a wide receiver because Adam Thielen's in Carolina now and you want to put somebody with Jefferson, you got K.J. Osborne there, who's a decent wide receiver, I wouldn't call him great. To just try to build up that offense and try to beat everybody 35 to 31. I'm going to take another corner in this spot, DA. They lost Patrick Peterson. I'm going to go with Deontay Banks from Maryland. Deontay Banks had a great combine. He's one of these guys who worked out very well. He did, I think, incredibly well for himself with the way he tested. Uh, he had one really solid year. Some red flags for me in that at Maryland, I don't understand why it took so long for this guy to be such a big-time player. So that would kind of leave me scratching my head. It's not like he was buried behind guys at Alabama or Clemson or a place like that. Really only one full year as a starter. I'm always There's always trepidation with me, too, when it comes to guys that just seem to have their stock rise uh, primarily on what they do once the college football season ends. But I think the Vikings are so desperate to improve that side of the ball to go along with the Flores higher as the D.C. that I think this is the guy they'll take. I would not love this pick, but I think they will do a need-based pick at 23. I think you're right. And in our draft, Hendon Hooker is gone, by the way. For people that don't know, all the quarterbacks, we've had five quarterbacks come off the board already in this mock draft. Yep. No, I agree. They have to address the defensive side of the football with an offensive-minded head coach in Kevin O'Connell and the way that the offense burned last year, last year how good as Jefferson is and, and just how dynamic Dalvin Cook is, et cetera. They just have to keep bringing in as much talent as possible on the defensive side and hope that they can at least get to the middle of the pack. And who knows where that would have put the Vikings last year. Now, they might slide back a little bit. Last season, they caught a lot of people off guard, I think. Lions are going to be better in that division. Packers could be worse, but I well, definitely really they just th got lucky. They had a horrible point differential and just managed to win a lot of close games. They weren't Absolutely. a good team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that right. They were probably an average team whose record was better than they, they really were, but defensively they were pitiful, as you said. So getting a defensive now, would player you here want, in, in a perfect world in, in a Vikings utopia, would you want Hendon Hooker here for them? If you're a Vikings fan, I like Kenan Hooker. I don't think he's a first-round grade for me. I like Kenan Hooker, but I think he's more of a project. And I think if you're the Vikings, again, you were a team that made the playoffs last year and your defense was that abhorrent, you, yeah. you have to get better on defense with your first pick in this draft. I think Hooker's a system quarterback. He played in college for about 15 years, and he only put up the numbers that last year with Heupel. Before that, that Michigan transfer quarterback was starting ahead of him, who was terrible. So, yep. Yep. Uh, 24th pick, D.A., you're back on the clock here. What do you do? Okay. 
So at the 24th pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. And we saw the Jaguars build a good nucleus last year, take that next step, get to the postseason, win a playoff game. We know they have a franchise QB. Seems like they have some good wide receivers. Seems like they have some good depth at running back as well. I think you look offensive line here or defensive line of the trenches. The one thing that the, the Jaguars had last season was edge speed rushing. They had great sack artists last year. Really helped them out come back in that game against the Chargers. So offensive line to help out Trevor Lawrence or defensive line to continue to build a really stout front seven. I'm going to lean defense here because I think the best player on the board is currently an interior defensive lineman, which helps need out for the Jaguars, but also he's an excellent player. And that's Clemson's Brian Brzee. We saw a locker room last year where the, the Jaguars smartly started to try to find Leaders, high-character guys after the disaster that was the Urban Meyer nonsense. Brzee is that type of guy. If people don't know his story, his sister, his younger sister, uh, came down with cancer and she battled and he was right there with her throughout her high school career. He was at her proms. He was bedside with her. Unfortunately, she passed away, but he wore that on his sleeve. The Clemson community came together for him. The team allowed him to take space away, but they just said, you know, whatever he needs, we're here because he's always here for us. Brzee's a really high character guy, and I think that helps that Jaguars team continue to grow into uh, a steady playoff squad. So give me Brzee at this pick, interior defensive lineman out of Clemson for Jacksonville. So I've got a ton of empathy for everything that happened to this guy with his sister. I'm right there with you. But he's also... The guy that he was his freshman year, where it looked like if there if he if he could have been eligible to come out of the draft after his freshman year, if there was no rule on when you could declare, he would have been a top 15 pick, I think. He was at his best his freshman year. There are just so many effed up things that have happened to this guy. Knee injury, shoulder injury. DA, he got strep throat, and it was so bad. He ended up in the hospital for a month because he lost 50 pounds with a kidney infection. It's like this guy's had the worst possible luck. And I don't know. Most of the people that have watched him, even look, last year, I think he just flushed down the toilet. The year before that, though, I just wonder, is this one of these great college players who peaked at 19 years old and he just never gets back to that? So this is a huge, I think, this is a high risk, high reward pick. And if I'm Jacksonville, you know what? Why the hell not? You know, you've got a really good roster. Why not swing for a guy in hope? that he puts the kind of personal life struggles behind him and can be the guy that he was very early in his college career when he looked like he was going to be an NFL All-Pro. So I don't mind this pick at all for Jacksonville, actually, given their situation. When it comes to things like the strep throat or or the injuries, no doubt, you know, you worry about that type of stuff on anybody. But there might have also just been an inordinate amount of stress on this young man sure. for the last couple of years that yep. can break down somebody's body. And of course it's tragic that he lost his sister, but who knows, maybe, you know, moving forward into a pro career, you know, all that anxiety or stress might not yeah. be surrounding him and, and hopefully he does stay healthy. Yeah. I think at 24, it's probably worth the risk. All right. At pick 25, it's the giants. So we know what the giants need. The giants need more playmakers for Daniel Jones. They give him that money. They're in a spot now where, okay, last year, great Cinderella season. 
storybook season. You, no one expected much from you. You won a playoff game. You got your asses kicked in Philadelphia. So what are you going to do for an encore? You're going to have the Saquon Barkley holdout thing weighing over you the entire offseason. You better get somebody in there to build some chemistry with Daniel Jones so you're not throwing to guys that you claimed off the waiver wire in January as your number one target. So I like Jordan Addison, but DA, I think they're going to take Zay Flowers with this pick. I think if the draft broke this way, I think Flowers is the guy that they would take. I see a little bit of Victor Cruz in Zay Flowers. I see a guy that can be a dominant slot receiver. I see someone who is probably not on a team like your number one guy. But I think with Hodgins, who's more of a bigger target, he's the guy that works the middle of the field. I think you give somebody for Jones when he's in trouble and he wants to run. Maybe there's somebody that he dumps it off to instead. So this dude was extremely productive. He changed quarterbacks there to not have the same guy. Boston College has been an abysmal college football program. He never left in the transfer portal, took the NIL money. He was a good soldier there. There are other guys, I think, with bigger upsides, DA. I think this is a guy who you think, best case scenario, is a 100-catch, 1,000-yard guy every season. Zay Flowers, BC. The, the Giants will absolutely go off it, uh, go wide receiver here. I really believe they'll absolutely do that. They, they have to have depth at wide out. They need more options for Daniel Jones. And I think Jordan Addison is a bigger upside. But I agree with you. The Zay Flowers pick is more of a Giants pick. A couple of years ago, they drafted Kadarius Tony, who was really raw, maybe a bigger upside than other guys. But he came in, and they couldn't figure out how to tap into that. And they had to let him go. Chiefs obviously picked him up. Chiefs had a better run with him. But the Giants will probably, after that, feel a little skittish about taking a guy that might have bigger upside but might be a little raw versus a guy that they feel more polished and more consistent. And the Giants have a long history with Boston College. Yeah, Tom, that's Tom for sure. Co- Chris Snee. Tom Coughlin obviously was a BC guy. He kept that pipeline going. But even the Maras, they've had family that have gone to Boston College, if I'm not mistaken, one of the Maras did go to BC. It might be John. I'm not sure, but they, they've they oftentimes looked to Boston College as a place where they, they pick NFL talent. So I agree with you. I think Zay Flowers, if it comes down to wide receiver for the Giants, would be hit their guy um, if Quentin's already off the board. And I think they will have to go wide receiver here. They seem to have a tight end to Daniel Bellinger. They drafted him in the fourth round last year. They seem to like him. So I think the the weapon of choice would have to be wide receiver, and Zay makes a lot of sense. Okay, pick 26, DA. What are you doing here? So this is the Dallas Cowboys on the clock, correct? Yep. And so with the Dallas Cowboys pick, I mean, to me, they have to start considering how to make sure the offensive line is what it was a couple of years ago. And they have slid back the last couple of years from where it was peak maybe four years ago, five years ago, when they were obviously the best line in football. I think here is where you look for the best available offensive lineman. I think Anton Harrison seems to be in this mock draft right now, the best available guy. I have seen some of the other guys from mock drafts that have already been taken in your mock draft still available here. So it kind of comes down to who the best offensive lineman is. I've seen Darnell Wright available here, uh, but 
if we say that Wright's off the board, Oklahoma's Anton Harrison, I think, is the pick for the Cowboys. They're always a wild card team for me because with Jerry Jones, I think he looks for two. I really think that he, for as much as, for as, for as much ownership as he takes over the roster construction, I just feel like when there's a guy whose name is projected as like a top 10 or 15 pick and he's on the board when the Cowboys pick at 26, I feel like Jones will make that pick DA just so he gets like the love and the credit for it. Yeah, You know, like CD lamb is one of those guys. He was not an obvious pick for the Cowboys, but he slid and they picked him. And in that way it paid off. So Jason Witten was another one of those guys who was projected as like a first or second round pick and he went in the middle rounds. Like he just has a history of doing shit like that. So I think this is a, I think what you did puts, you're missing a jigsaw piece puzzle. You put, you put it in there. It's all good. But I would not be shocked if we got to this pick and based on the way our draft went, he picked like Michael Meyer or Dalton Kincaid just because both guys are projected to be like top 15 or top 20 talents. Well, yeah. And And Jones just does crap like that all the time. DA totally. Well, totally. Because you know, he's, he's got a sickness of ego. He needs to be loved. He needs to be respected. He needs to be the football mind, even though he's not, he's none of those things. So he always does do things like this. I find it interesting that B. John Robinson is off the board already for you guys in the top 10, because there's some mock drafts that have him available this late in the draft. And I can tell you this, even though they, they've already said goodbye to Ezekiel Elliott and they got Tony Pollard, yep. B. John Robinson would be the total Cowboys pick here, which is really a luxury pick for a team that, you know, wouldn't really need a running back like the Cowboys, but falls in love with the Stars. He's a Texas Longhorn. It's a total Jerry Jones move if B. John Robinson is down there, knowing that they've got to get better in the trenches, They've got to get better on the offensive line. There's so many non-sexy picks they could make. But if Jerry gets his way, he always wants the sexy pick, and Bijan would be that. But if Stephen Jones can wrestle away control, Stephen's actually done a a fairly decent job of doing the conservative smart pick since he's kind of taken over a couple of years ago. All right, so pick 27 is the Bills. And so I do think that I'll take Jordan Addison for them at 27 and I think if this happened see I watched him up close with Kenny Pickett I for a while I thought he was maybe too small to be a great NFL wide receiver but he gets off the line of scrimmage his 40 time was not great I think that that causes him to slip into the high 20s or maybe even the early second round but I think what they'll see in him is somebody that is more of a Tyler Lockett type wide receiver. If you've got Gabe Davis, who's a deeper threat, Diggs can do everything. This to me is a guy that just gets open. So on quick hitters, slants, key third downs, I just think he's another guy that if I'm Josh Allen, like you can grow with him. I think he's going to be a high-end two, low-end one wide receiver in his career, uh, DA. I don't I don't think he'll ever be – I don't think he'll ever be one of these wide receivers like a Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams. 
But I think, like, maybe best case scenario is Keenan Allen in his career. Like, I could see that happening with Jordan Addison after all. Well, how does does he go from the most productive wide receiver in college football two years ago to where you don't think he's ever going to be a high number one target in the NFL? Why is that? Yeah. I don't think he's explosive enough where when I see him, I don't look at a guy that's like, holy shit, I'm going to need to double team this guy in order to stop him from killing us. I don't think he has great speed. I don't think he's like a big red zone threat where he's just a body, where just he's a physical mismatch. I think he's just going to be an unbelievably good Robin. I just think if he's paired up with another good wide receiver who defenses have to account for like they would with Diggs, I think he's perfect in that role. I'm not saying that there's no way. I saw Antonio Brown as a six-round pick turn into the best wide receiver in the NFL, and he didn't have great physical attributes. Um, So I think it's possible, but I think what I'm saying is I think the floor for him is very good number two wide receiver, and I think Buffalo would be happy with that at 27. Is that your dog very unhappy with the Jordan Addison pick? Hold on, hold on, hold on. She she hates the Jordan Addison pick. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> there she is. There she is. He's so mad that that he left for USC and that three million dollar <laughs> paycheck. That's amazing. All right, twenty eight's the Bengals. Yeah, and all these tight ends are out there, Da. So is that what you're going to do for them here? The Hayden Hurst replacement. Yeah, I think tight end is a possibility, although. I also think edge rusher is a possibility for the Bengals. You know, that's a defense that's been a little better than I think people realize, but they still do need explosive edge rushers as well. They're pretty good secondary. They have good targets already. They built up the offensive line for Joe Burrow. I certainly wouldn't mind a Dalton here. I certainly wouldn't mind tight end race first, but I'm going to go with edge rusher Keon White, George Tech, for this pick. For, uh, for the Bengals. I think their defense has been underrated. And I like the coordinator there. Uh, oh, great. What's his name? Lou Anarumo? Yep, Anarumo. Yeah, and so I think that they're in such a good spot that this could be a best available pick. This could be a guy at a position that we're not even thinking. It could be somebody where they're like, we're in such a great spot with Burrow on a rookie deal and all the wide receivers we have, I could see them doing that. You know, they got the tackle in Brown in free agency. So that's not even a glaring need for them anymore. So if they take Keon White and they put him with Hendrickson or whatever and Hubbard, and they just want to have another guy to kind of bring in, you know, when just get him in the rotation like we see Philly do with their line, I could totally see that. But I think this is a tough pick to project because – I don't see the Bengals in a spot where they absolutely need to do any one thing. So, White, this is where he usually goes, late first, early second. All right, so pick 29. Who do we have here at pick 29, DA? This will be the Philadelphia Eagles. This is, no, they, they traded the pick, so it's the Saints. Oh, the okay, now we got the pick. Saints on the clock. Okay. Yeah, this is the Saints pick. Um, Man, the Saints are a really weird team. They're going to bring Derek Carr in. Uh, I think they could take a wide receiver, but I'm not going to do that. I think that might be a day two pick for them. 
I'm going to take Will McDonald defensive end from Iowa State. I think they might be a little hacked off that you took a edge guy right before that. Cam Jordan is defying father time. Still a very productive player. The head coach is a defensive guy. So my prediction is they're going to try to improve. Their defense actually got better as the year went on. They were, by the end of the season, D.A., you know, they very quietly almost got back to 500 at the end of last year. Uh, and that just more of an NFC South. I think the Saints are kind of an under-the-radar team. I don't know if there's anything that they can do here at 29 that's going to convince me that they're a playoff team or anything like that. But just a solid player, which guys from Iowa State who somehow were still productive when it's the dude that you know, you could load up the stop. You know he was well coached. There were coach there, Matt Campbell, gets NFL questions all the time. So I could see just a rock-solid pick like this for New Orleans. And they need it. I mean, this is a, a franchise that last year scuffled, as you said, even to stay 500. I'm not a huge Dennis Allen fan, obviously. A I thought they should have fired him. I mean, really. And then last year, the quarterback situation was was pretty hairy. We'll see if this year is any better. I mean, Derek Carr, I think, stabilized the position, but he's not necessarily a guy that elevates the guys around you. So yeah. there's there's a couple of needs here for the New Orleans Saints, but you know that that's a that's a solid one. I think that they could they could they could spin the wheel at a couple of different positions, and uh, and you could understand that. All right, thirty before the Chiefs go at thirty one. We got one more pick for you, DA. Who's yeah, that? this is this is where teams is that are right. This is where teams that are loaded, they don't have to go one place or the other. The Eagles and the Chiefs are in this great spot where they're not glaring weaknesses that they have to plug up. So I'm looking at a guy that I just think is a talented guy from a really good football program that can help you in a secondary where you always need help. Depth at safety, depth at nickel, depth at cornerback, and that's Brian Branch out of Alabama. Yeah. Bama turns out a lot of good safeties, a lot of great safeties. Nick Saban knows his defensive backs. You know, this, they had one of the best secondaries in football last year. So again, it's not a position of necessary need. But I just think if you put a guy like Branch in an already talented Eagles defense, you can find places to use him. And even if it becomes a depth kind of guy, it helps you that next time around when somebody goes down due to injury. So I like Brian Branch, Alabama here for the Eagles. Yeah, guys in Nick Saban's defense who play slot corner, safety, move them around. You know, I saw him do that with Mika Fitzpatrick a lot. Uh, I think that the Eagles, they're looking for those types types of versatile make offenses question like, okay, where's this guy going to line up? How is he going to affect the play? Right. Yeah, I, I think that this could be – now they're working in a new defensive coordinator and everything, but – I feel like at 30, they like to build in the trenches. We know that. We had them taking a defensive lineman earlier in this draft. I could see them doubling up and taking another guy like that at 30. And Branch, so by we, the way, was a second-team All-American. So he's got good talent, good production, comes from Alabama. So you you know, you know trust guys that come out of there from an NFL standpoint. So I think if he's there for either the Chiefs or the Eagles, that's a good pick for either one of them. So I think the last pick here, I think I'm going to make the last pick for the Chiefs. And I know this is not a need at all, DA. Quarterback. Yeah, Travis, no. Yeah. <laughs> Punter. 
Yeah. Travis Kelsey's in his 30s. I'm just going to take Michael Meyer for them at 31. Okay. Like, can't Andy Reid's sitting there in his Hawaiian shirt. They've ordered burn ends. He's sitting there. He's watched the draft go for three hours. And him and Veach are like, this guy at various points in his college football career was looked at as a top 10 pick. He kind of slowed down a little bit, I thought, in his last year. He didn't, he looked like he was playing injured almost to me, just like the times I, I watch Notre Dame all the time. I thought the COVID year, he looked like an absolute monster, like he was going to be the next Rob Gronkowski. I thought he was even better the following year. And I thought at times this year, like, I don't know, like even that Syracuse game I watched him, DA, that you probably saw. I'm like, man, this guy looks like he's about 28 years old. He doesn't look like the same guy. But uh, I, I just think at 31, like, why not take a player that you want to really screw with NFL defenses. Now you can put two tight end sets out there. You could put Kelsey out in the slot or whatever. Like, I just feel like Andy Reid, like, fetishizes over stuff like this. And, and if this draft were to break a weird way to be like, I just got maybe a top 12 talent with the 31st pick. And the Chiefs know that they need a pass rush and they know they need to have a decent secondary. But what they've obviously prioritized is just make sure that we give our quarterback as many things as possible to allow him to be whether we win or lose. So it was invest in the offensive line the moment that the offensive line was shaky. It was bring in wide receivers when we lost Tyreek Hill so that we have Juju here or we have Nicole Hardman here or we have Kadarius Toney here that our quarterback will make better. And I think to your point here, wouldn't you just imagine, hey, Kelsey's getting older. We want to just make sure we keep a rotating group of weapons for our quarterback to, to just keep being great with. And, and that would make perfect sense. And I think that, and I know that obviously these two guys are Hall of Fame players, at least Kelsey is. But I think he might see... Andy Reid might see some Hill qualities in Tony and might see some Kelsey qualities in Meyer. And okay, like they're not going to be maybe as good as those guys, but we have the best quarterback in the NFL and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And if I've got the wide receiver that takes coverage downfield like Tony, then I've got Meyer working underneath all of that. So You've won two Super Bowls if you're Kansas City. You're going to win double-digit games as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, almost regardless. They should be taking best player available, and here's a tight end that in our mock somehow found his way down to them at 31. All right, DA, do you have any crazy draft responsibilities, or are you just going to be on the air Thursday morning and Friday morning and next week ready to go deal with Mraz's bullshit? (laughs) <laughs> there, there, there might be a, a live hit on a, a certain group of uh, of draft coverage via uh, the BetQL side of things. We'll see. Okay. But uh, other than that, I'm just doing the show, rocking and rolling, bright and early both mornings. So Friday morning, 6 a.m., we are uh, all over whatever's going to happen to the first round. Damon, thanks for filling in for Danny, and thanks to everyone out there for listening to another edition of First and Pod. Uh, We'll be back next week to break down the first round of the draft. Thanks for listening.
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. Hey, football fans, Odyssey is doing something really special for this year's NFL Draft. Brian Baldinger and Jason Lockenfora are hosting the 2023 Odyssey Draft Show. Join them on the first night of the draft as they talk with local experts from Odyssey podcasts around the country. We'll be joining them to give instant reaction and analysis. We'll be joining them to give instant reaction and analysis after the Steelers pick. Leading up to the draft, check out Baldy's podcast, In the Huddle, for his expert prospect breakdowns. The draft show starts Thursday, April 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Listen on the free Odyssey app and watch on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page.